back up. This is direct a little bit toward dads, but it, the principles apply to all of us, okay? Yeah, a little feedback, a little feedback, positive feedback, not bad feedback. Okay, good, good. So we're going to talk about a character in the Old Testament that I've used this illustration of this guy uh, from time to time, but he's a weird name. His name is Lot. You don't see a lot of guys named Lot, but that was his name. And as most of you, how many of you, how many are familiar with this story? You can just like testify right here. Most of us are familiar with Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, and how that Abraham was called of God, singled out. You know, when we turn to Genesis chapter 13, please, turn to Genesis chapter 13. And as we get in there, we find out that this is a few generations past the Tower of Babel, and that God had, had confused the languages and scattered the people. They've separated out, and this is the beginning of of people being separated out and, and uh, differences that begin to occur as smaller groups begin to intermarry and have children. And, and this is where kind of the beginning of different ethnicities and things came from as this happened. Uh, but but the, at, the, at the moment that that happened, that pretty much the whole world knew about God, had a knowledge of God, but they rejected God. That's in fact what they were in the process of doing when they built that tower. Now you've got several generations and you're going to find out that some of these people that were in some of the fairly close by lands, the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Termites and whoever else, right? Many of these people blatantly rejected God. They knew about God and they were doing all kinds of idolatrous, idolater, idolatrous, there you go, got it on third try, idolatrous things. One of the things that some of them did even involved uh, human sacrifice, which was, you know, a big no-no. But anyway, uh, the whole, is amazing how fast people began to turn away. Uh, but God singles out a man who knew about God. Otherwise, when God spoke to Abraham, he'd be like, who, who's this? You know, he knew who it was, right? So God singled out Abraham and he says, I'm going to single you out from among people. I want you to leave your homeland. I'm going to take you to a place that I'm going to show you. And this big promise that God connected to him is that if you trust me, that and he was past the age of having kids, he said that you're going to have a son still yet. And through that son is going to come, it, you're going to be a blessing to all nations. Now, later on, Paul tells us that that seed of Abraham was in the singular and he was talking about one. He was talking about Christ. So God was singling out one through whom he could be a light to the rest of the world that all nations and everybody would come to have a relationship with God. So this is God's plan in action. All right, so God has singled out Abram. Remember his name was Abram at first, exalted father. God later, in like chapter 17, changes his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude because that was happening, right? Okay, now in this story, Abram or Abraham, I may say one or I might say the other. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Good. All right. That he leaves his homeland and he takes his nephew Lot with him. All right. Now, please get the setting down. Lot knows why we're going somewhere. It's like, like so why are we getting up and leaving? He knows that God has spoken to Abraham. Abraham has trusted God. Abraham had faith in God. Later on, God says that because of that, God credited him as righteousness. His righteous by faith is always God's plan and, and God's provision. So anyway, uh, so Lot knew the plan. He knew that God had said that he was going to give him and his descendants this whole land. Lot knew this. Keep that in mind as I read this story, okay? All right, now I'm going to read in Genesis chapter 13, verse 5, reading from the English Standard Version. And uh, my new uh, hard copy of the Bible doesn't have as large a print as I thought it would have. 
I don't know what's happening. You know, there's medium print, but it seems to, I don't know. They've changed. I guess they've changed it, right? Is that what happened? David, you agree? That's probably, that's what happened. They're doing that. They're making print smaller nowadays and blurrier. All right, let's pick up. Let's pick up in chapter 13, and uh, they have journeyed out, and they've gone, uh, and there's been a, a little, you know, incident where they were there, and then there was a famine. They went down to Egypt. Abraham made some mistakes, about got himself in trouble. God kind of delivers him. He comes back to the place where he was, and he made an altar there. You know, he's getting back to, let's get back to worship, right? And he called on the name of the Lord. Now, verse 5, and Lot, that's the guy's name, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Let's stop right there. Okay, so now what I want to do is, is I want to take this guy, Lot, and I want to use him as an example that we don't need to be men and women, but men. I'd rather be more like Abraham than by Lot. So, but sadly... A lot of the times, we are, unfortunately, a lot like Lot. I thought that had a good, worked on that all week, Rocky. A lot like Lot. Okay, so uh, how is it that Abraham ends up taking this nephew Lot along with him? And, and if you read the story, and, and I'm, I'm sure many of you have, if you haven't, I mean, this is some exciting stories here, that, that Abraham has to keep rescuing this guy. And you get to the idea, why in the world did he even bring Lot along? Uh, because he, after he moves off and goes towards Sodom, then there's kings that go to battle and Sodom and all that area gets taken captive. Abraham and some of, some of his ranch hands have to go and whoop those kings. I mean, it must have been wild. It must have been awesome. You know, they, come on, boys, we're going. And, you know, they go out there and they whip those kings and they rescue uh, the, the king of Sodom and several of the other kings. And they rescue Lot because him and his, his, his possessions and family have been taken captive. And he rescues him. You think that the king of Sodom, the king of Sodom wanted to give all kinds of gifts to Abram after that happened. Uh, this is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, but it's, it's going to happen. But okay, right? But, um, but, but Abraham wouldn't accept those gifts. You know, he kept his focus on the Lord. But you think the people in that area, they knew who Abram was. And, uh, and Lot, we find later on when the angels go to warn about the city being destroyed, he's sitting at the gate of the city. Uh, usually you sit at the gate of the city, meant you're like one of the elders. 
So he, had a, he was a man of influence. So we're getting the setting here. But he caused so much trouble. And then right here, don't you see he's being selfish? You know, Abram says, you pick, and he picks the best, right? I mean, <laughs> now Abram was trusting God. He was not like me whenever I'm saying, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, hon. Have whichever piece of that you want. But I really have in mind which one I want her to have, right? You take whichever one you want. And, um, and you know, and then, and then you do that with somebody, they have the audacity to just take the best one, right? I mean, when you say that, you'd hope that they're going to reciprocate and say, oh, no, I'll take this one. Okay. Uh, and that's Lot, he picks the best. Uh, so why in the world did Abraham put up with him? Well, okay, I think a little quick look back through here might answer that question. He seemed to be such a goof up. But at the end of chapter 11, we find out that Abraham had two brothers, right? He had two brothers, Nahor and Haran. Haran had a son named Lot. Then it tells us in verse 28 of chapter 11 that Haran died an untimely death. And it also tells us at that time that Abram took a wife and that time went on, but we're informed that she was barren. So you have a combination of Abraham or Abram being childless and Lot being fatherless. And it may have contributed to a really close relationship, a unique relationship that they had. I'm sure that probably what happened was Abraham or Abram became a father figure to Lot and he was kind of like part of his family. But we have Abraham who is a man of faith and he made mistakes. In fact, if you read that chapter uh, back in chapter 12, you find that he made a big mistake and, and almost lost his wife. Yeah. Uh, but even though he made mistakes, we find out that he was a man of faith and he's called the friend of God. And he is a blessing to all of us today because the Messiah, Christ, came through that whole promise, right? Then you have Lot, who was a good guy, but he made some mistakes. And he ends up fading from the scene. And uh, in fact, he fades from the scene of the Bible in disgust after having pretty much lost everything. So there's a lot we can learn from Lot. So we don't end up a lot like Lot. Number one, now I can learn from Lot of what not to do. Because I tend to be the type of person that can help people learn easily as what not to do, okay? <laughs> By just uh, don't make the mistakes I made, right? First is this. When you, 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 you could end up being a lot like Lot when you don't do what you should do with what you know to do. Are you guys really following me today? I mean, come on. Think about it. When you don't do what you should do with what you already know to do. Well, it's not that we don't know what to do. We just don't do what we know to do, what we should do. Lot must have known about the word of God. Like I said, he knew about the promise that God had made to Abraham. He knew that why they had left and why they had gone to say. He knew about the promise of the descendants. He knew about the promise of this blessing to all nations. He knew about that land being theirs and all of that. Uh, and because of his connection to Abraham, you know what? It seems like Lot also became a man of great means. And he was greatly blessed. I mean, look how his livestock and all that. God greatly blessed him. But it seems like Lot focused on the blessing more than the blesser. He focused on the blessing. And you can do that if you're not careful. You focus more on the blessings and the things that God has given you more than you focus on the Lord who gave them. That's one of the ways that we do that. And we make a horrible mistake. 
Once again, he knew why they left their homeland and went on that that journey. He knew of God's call for Abraham. He knew of God's promise to his uncle. And perhaps it would have been best. You know, it's always easy to look at other people's lives and think, you know, well, it would have been best, right? And, and we don't manage our own. Uh, but it might be, maybe it would have been best had Lot stepped in there and settled this little disagreement between his boys and Abraham, Uncle Abraham's guys, right? Settled this because, see, yeah, think about it. Abram could have made him manage his stuff, but Uncle Abram let him have his own flocks and his own stuff. See? It's very generous. And so he's not taking advantage of the blessings, really, and he's not keeping his eyes on God who's blessing him. He's just focused on a little bit on greed. Uh, even though he's probably a nice guy, but he didn't step up and settle this thing, and there got to be a lot of strife. And, I mean, you know, Uncle Abraham is the boss, right? I mean, if you're in this group, okay. He should have been thankful. Uh, but it's so bad that Abram jumps in there and says, you know what? You know how it is you have family and you're together for a long time? I mean, you still love them. But maybe it's best if you just kind of, we part ways. I mean, it's not like, I mean, he still loves him. He actually goes and rescues him later on. But it's like, maybe it's best if you guys... Go do your thing, okay? And we'll do ours. I can see the wheels turning. It's amazing. Yeah, you, you can identify with some of these things. I love you, but we don't need to be staying together. We need a little distance here. And so it's so bad that Abram says it's best. We're not going to sell us. It's best you just take your livestock and your people and you go. And, uh, but, but he gives him this great privilege of you pick where you want to go and I'll go somewhere else. Um, Lot may have thought of himself as Abram's heir. He, in some ways, maybe was. But he began to focus not on the promise that God had given to his uncle, but he focused on material aspects of his livestock and, his, and, the, and you know how he did. He chose the fertile plain. I remember it, from my earliest memories being in Sunday school. That's why Sunday school and all of that is so important to have our kids in there. I remember learning these lessons. And I remember seeing the little flannel graphs, you know, of lot picking, being kind of... And I, I remember from my, from my earliest days knowing that, you know what, that lot was kind of selfish, wasn't he? You know, because he chose the best. And, uh, and that's what he did. Even though, did he not know that God had told his uncle that all of it was going to be his? Didn't he know that? Yes, he knew that. Everybody with them knew that. And then afterwards, he, you know, sure enough, he looks down at those cities and that fertile valley. And he's like, oh, I think I'll have that. And was like, go for it. I'm going this way. Did, did you notice if you read on that after that happened and after they left, and in verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. So it didn't matter, did it? He understood Abram understood God's promise. It's not going to be Lot. And Lot should have known that as well. But he didn't do what he should have done with what he knew to do. Um, God reaffirmed his promise. It was, about, it was about God's purpose. It wasn't about land. It wasn't about cattle. It was about God's purpose. And it wasn't about their comfort and their wealth. Lot should have known better. He even had a front row seat to the lesson that God had taught Abraham back in Egypt in that little fiasco that had just happened. 
But it says that Lot drove down tent stakes in an area that would eventually be his undoing. Did you notice he didn't end up in Sodom all at once? He goes to those cities nearby to that fertile plain. That's what he wants, that fertile plain, right? That fertile ground. But he just kept moving in that direction. Then finally, we look in the scripture and we find him smack dab in the middle of Sodom. Find him smack dab. That means right in the middle, right? Of Sodom. And, and his family's right in there as well. He's not out in that fertile plain with his livestock. He's right there in the middle of stuff. And we find then his, his family gets totally absorbed into their society. And their society gets absorbed into them. Right? You know the story. You've probably heard it said that we're to be in the world but not of it. And that's certainly true. And we're to be a light and impact in the world. But you have to be careful. You have to keep your focus on God. Or you'll end up being more affected by the culture than you're affecting it. Okay? So, and, and we're living in a time where a lot of people see some things that need to change, and we're seeing all the protests, and, you know, but, but people are more interested in being seen protesting or being seen posting something, but very few people don't want to change their hearts and actually do the real things that, that make us one in Christ. See? Uh, but, but so, we're to be in the world, not of it. Uh, it's like growing up on a dairy farm, right? My friends who were not of that always knew that you just came from the barn, didn't you? See, if you're hanging around the cows, amen, you, you, you're hanging around the cows, you, you begin to smell like the cows. And maybe even the stuff that comes out of the cows, okay? You just do. It's just like back home, growing up in Rosebud, uh, we had this cafe downtown. Now, it wasn't like, oh, goodness, it's like 19... Whew, was it like 82 or something? The tornado come through and tore up our whole town and, and, it, and it, it was gone. But I still remember the old cafe right there at the intersection of Highway 5 and 36 right there in Rosebud, the cafe. And, and it was a big deal to us, you know, to go to the cafe. But, you know, you could always tell when someone had been there, they come out because they smelled like greasy hamburger and cigarettes. You know, there were no smoking ordinances back then. You know, it's like, you've been to the cafe. The cafe had its smell. And if you go to the cafe, you're going to smell like cafe. Uh, but, uh, here's the thing is that when you're in the world, like if you're not careful, you're going to absorb its culture instead of you impacting that. And that's exactly what happened to Lot and his family. We allow the world to influence us more than we influence it. So this is one of the ways is when you don't do what you should do with what you know to do. And most of us know pretty much what we should do. Question is, are we going to do what's right or are we not? All right, so let's move on. Another thing is we can be a lot like Lot when we walk by sight rather than by faith. We're to walk by faith, not by sight, but he walked by what he could see and what he felt and what he wanted rather than trusting the promise of God. Uh, he became at home then in Sodom with, we find out later, the very things that disgusted him. He didn't believe in all the stuff that was going on there. It's not that Lot, listen to me. Are you listening? Good. It's not that Lot did not care about things of God. It's not that Lot was a bad guy. He's more like a normal guy. I know, I just saw a look from some of you gals that said, so what's the difference, bad guy, normal guy? I, that's not my point here, okay? So stay with me. <laughs> That uh, did you know that more than once in the scripture we're actually told that Lot was a righteous man? Did you know that? Yeah. Let's go there. Ready? 
In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, God's using this, talking about the example of Sodom and Gomorrah and how, you know, how that God is going to judge, how that God is going to judge those who reject him, and then he knows how to protect and those who trust him. Right? That's what's going to happen. Our world's going to be judged, but God knows how to rescue those who want to live in faith. Trusting him. Okay, that's the context. In in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, he says, If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. So part of what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah was for an example that has come all the way down to us. Verse 7 goes on to say, And if he rescued, so he's going to destroy those as an example, but he also, as an example, rescued, do you see what they say? Righteous Lot. Called him righteous. Who was it describes Lot? They're saying he was greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. So he was distressed. He was, the old word is vexed by it. For as that righteous man, he tells us in verse 8, lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. So we find out that some of the stuff that was going on there really was disturbing to Lot. And it bothered him. And he's even called the Bible. Next week, that one of the points is going to be one of the best interpreters of the Bible is the Bible. So now we know a little more about Lot and things like that. That he was right. He tried to live right. He, he didn't do those things himself. In fact, a lot of the things happening bothered him. Okay? But just like a lot of us, there are a lot of blatant, bad, destructive sins that bother us and we get all disturbed about it. But there are other sins don't quite seem so dangerous. And we don't pay attention to those. Watch it now. So this doesn't mean Lot was being righteous that he lived a perfect life. It means probably that he did trust God's means of atonement. Remember that? Of paying for his sins. In those days they had the, the sacrifices that God had told them about. And involved wages of sin as death. And all of that. The altar. He, he did try to live according to what he learned about God. And even though the Bible calls him a righteous man. And one who cared for the truth and standards of God. Yet is it not obvious that he was focused more on material things than he was the things of God. You see that. Uh, isn't it true that a lot of us. That's the natural way we do. If we don't watch it. And Sodom had what he liked. Money, comfort, and ease. What the easy life. God, spent, God sent several opportunities for him to be delivered. And, and yeah, Abraham rescued him once. And then God, you know, but God does the same for us. Listen to this. And speaking about Lot, Second Peter chapter 2, now in verse 9, the next verse, it says how he rescued Lot, righteous Lot. It says, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. God knows how to rescue you if you want to trust him. And this is what's going to happen in our world. You walk and you trust in the Lord. He will rescue you. You're going to have a victory. But the world, make no mistake, one of these days, this world is going to be judged. It's coming. Okay, and that's what he talks about there in that passage. Uh, God wants to do the same for you. He wants to deliver you. In fact, he tells us in another very well-known verse, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, about our own lives. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is, not uncom- that, is not, uh, that is not common to man. Everything that happens to us is like other people go through them too. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He's always with those temptations. 
He's going to do that. He's going to make sure that he gives you uh, the ability to get through. This verse doesn't say that God won't put more or let more get put on you than you can handle because pretty much everything's more than we can handle, but that he will provide a way through. He will be your strength. He will help you bear it. If you try to do it on your own, you won't. All right. That's another sermon. Okay, so Abraham, Abraham trusted the promise of God. Abraham walked by faith. Lot tried to live right, but he didn't really walk by faith. He saw an opportunity to grab something for himself, and his eyes got on that, and he grabbed it. You know the philosophy. I better get what I can while I can. Got to look out for me and mine. He should have known that God already said it all belonged to Abraham. You can try to live right, but you can still also try to, and avoid a lot of these big nasty sins, but you can still try to manage things for yourself instead of walking by faith to the point that you look good, you look good at church and you look good to your community, but you still get sucked in to really the world's way of thinking about things. Lot didn't go for any of the big sins of Sodom. It says he was disgusted by it. Mark this, though Lot was grieved by it, his family was gripped by it. I had that in my notes. I hope I'm the one that thought up saying it like that. That sounds so powerful, right? Really? I may have gotten it from somebody. I don't know. But the thing about it, I wrote it down a long time ago. But the thing about it is, you know those notes you make in your Bible and stuff? Yeah, there's things that you may be grieved, but if you don't do things right and walk by faith, the things that grieve you may grip your kids. I mean, by grip, get a hold of them and infect their lives. You're grieved by it, but they're absorbed by it. All right, just a point to make there. I'm, and, and, you know, hey, let me say something else. Uh, he, Lot was, was, you know, a great guy, but, and I'm not talking about the big list of ugly sins that we like to talk about. Lot didn't participate in any of those types of wickedness. As it says, the Bible says he was greatly distressed by it. Well, if you're greatly distressed by it, if you're going to hang around it, why not be an impact and a light and a change agent? Or why hang around it otherwise? Even though the immorality really irritated him, here's why. You know a little bit about Lot? Or a lot about Lot. He loved the wealth. He loved the fertile plain. He loved the, 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 uh, the, the, the lifestyle, the easiness. So we have here the sin of greed. There's your respectable sin. I mean, it's so accepted. And pride. And it did, but, but through that, it opened up his family to all the other stuff. You remember when the two angels came to warn Lot that God was going to destroy the city? And then the men of the town saw what they thought were two strange men coming, and they surrounded Lot's house and wanted to send the guys out so they could have sex with them? Oh, you didn't know that was in the Bible? You need to read ahead a couple of chapters. That's what happened. And Lot didn't want them to humiliate and kill those guys. And in that story, he offers to send his two daughters out. How messed up has this gotten? Wow. He gets himself right in the middle of that. See, our problem is not that we don't want to step out and trust or obey God in something. 
Uh, our problem is, is we just don't want to do it unless we know we have the abilities and the resources and the time and everything else. So we're really not trusting God, we're trusting us. It, has there ever been something in your life that was so much bigger than you that if it was going to happen, the only way to explain it is that God did it? Or anything, and as a church family, anything we feel God's calling us to do, do we have to look and make sure we've got the people and the equipment and the ability and the talents and the money? And I mean, if we really know it's God and not just us, are we willing to follow him? Or only when we think we've got all of our stuff together? See, there needs to be something happening in my life, in my family, in this whole community, in our church family that's bigger than us. And the only way to explain it is God's going to do it when we trust him. But Lot likes to have his stuff together. And there's nothing wrong with planning, but this is about trusting God. We always stick with what we think we can handle. And we think we better handle it or other people are going to take advantage of us. We've rarely seen, and maybe our families have rarely seen, what only God can do. Because all we see is what we can do. All right, let's move on. You ready to move on? i got to wrap this up. Whew. So, you know, when you don't do what you should do with what you know to do, and when you walk by sight rather than by faith, even though you're a good person, and another way that you can be a lot like Lot is when things become more important than God's truth. And we already have kind of seen this. Let's just sit down on it for a second. Lot chose what? The fertile plain. That's what human logic and wisdom would say. Hey, smart move. He had the chance, so he took it. I mean, Abraham gave him the chance. But when we choose our way instead of God's way, because Lot knew what God's plan was, it never pans out for us when we choose our way rather than God's way. And how much has been suffered because people, men chose stuff over God, chose career over God, chose other things over God. How many times have we inadvertently taught our kids by the choices we've made that other things are more important? We might not say it. We might tell them, you guys need to be good. You need to be in church. You need to go to this. You need to be involved in that. We may say those things, but by the choices we make and the way we live our lives, we're teaching them something totally opposite. And what we do speaks so loud they can't hear what we're saying. We talk about the kingdom of God being the most important thing, but our lives show a different story. And they ought to be at church. You need to go as long as there's nothing more important to do. See, it teaches something that's going to come back later on. Like so many Christians that just feel like somehow we're owed a piece of the American dream. Uh, you know, it's like Platt writes in his books that we've confused the kingdom of God with the American dream. And it's not the same. We feel like God owes us or somebody owes us a comfortable living, a comfortable house, two-car garage, 2.5 kids, a dog in a fenced backyard. We knew that American dream wasn't like that whenever we didn't get 2.5 kids. We got like, we had twins when our first one was 23 months old. Whew, now what are we going to do? But we feel that way. We feel like somebody just owes us an easy life. There's nothing wrong with those things. Are you hearing me? Nothing wrong with those things. But when those things are the focus instead of the Lord who blessed you with those things, that's a problem. Amen? Amen? It's true that God, as he often did in those days, God made an object lesson, an example out of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's also true that God loved these people. Huh? God loved them. 
I mean, he preached like, get up to hellfire, brimstone, Lord, God, destroy them. But God loved those people. God didn't want that to happen. He would have spared these two mega cities if there had just been 10 righteous people who trusted him. I mean, it started out, you remember when God told Abraham that he was going to destroy him? And Abraham's like, surely, Lord, he knew Lot, he knew his nephew, he's looking out for his nephew, his nephew's there. So surely, Lord, you're not going to, you're not going to destroy him, you know, the right, there could be some righteous, but you're not going to destroy them too, are you? He said, would you spare it if there's 50 righteous people? And God's like, I will spare them, I'll not do this. If out of all of the thousands and thousands of people there, probably, that there's just 50. God says, I'll, 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 I'll spare them. And then Abraham's like, well, let me, let me just, you know, I should have asked for less. I didn't know he'd go for that. I don't know what he was thinking. But he's like, how about 45? And then 40. And then 40, 40. Can I hear 30? 30. And he says, he says uh, 30. And then finally 20. And then finally gets down to 10. Lord, if there's just 10, would you spare it? And the Lord said, if there's just 10, I'll spare it. God wanted to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham, no doubt, was disgusted by the greed and the immorality of the people there. But yet Abraham interceded for them. Abraham was trying to intercede for them that they be spared. Uh, by the way, can we take a quick look at their sins? You say, well, I already know what it is. Well, let's take a look. Best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. Ezekiel mentions it because Jerusalem had turned its back. I mean, God's people later on, when they turned their backs on God, they got, they got dealt with too. And he says, you're like, you're being like a, your sister Sodom. Jerusalem, that's who you're acting like, okay? It's for the context, context. Ezekiel 16, 49, he says, behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. It's the same thing you got. She and her daughters had, here's the list, are you ready? Pride. Number one thing mentioned was pride. Gluttony, excess of food. Prosperous ease. We just want the easy life. And they did not aid the poor and the needy. God cares about that? Oh, yeah. They didn't take care of the less fortunate. And uh, next verse, uh, verse 50 says, They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. So pride, gluttony, laziness, ignoring the poor and needy, flaunting their sin before God, and then the, also the disgusting acts of perversion. Don't make the mistake of thinking perversion, of fornication, adultery, and homosexuality were the biggest of their sins. Because we just heard that it wasn't all that it was. It was part of it, but not all of it. But think what of an influence Lot could have been in these, on these people. I mean, they even had the experience of being conquered by another t- king, taken captive. And then Lot's uncle comes and rescues all of them. They knew that he was, Lot's tied to the guy who rescued us. Um, and so Lot could have had a ton of influence. And uh, Lot had the opportunity because of his connection there to have a big influence. And it says he was setting in the gates. That means he was one of their leaders. But he didn't do it because he counted material things as more valuable. Last thing. All right, are you ready? Number four, we can be a lot like Lot when God delivers us and we go right back. How often does that happen? God delivers us and we go right back. We've already seen how Abraham had to keep coming to rescue him. And Abraham came and rescued him. He goes right back in there. God kept giving Lot opportunities. But even as Sodom was being destroyed, did you know even when the angels led him out and got his wife and daughters to come out, that that even then Lot wanted to bargain. 
He, and, they, and the angel said in verse 19, go up to the mountains. I want, and that's going to be too tough up there in those mountains. It's hard living up there. And so he begged that he might go to one of the villages nearby that wasn't destroyed. So he goes to one of the villages down there because he still just wants to be comfortable, right? He still wants to live his life his way. He, 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 he ends up in the mountains, though. He should have done what the Lord said to do first of all. It, it sounded tougher, but as it ends up, it was the easiest. Do you hear me? It sounds tougher, but as it ends up, it's the easiest and the best. Too many people are focused and held back by what they think they're going to have to give up. And they're not even realizing what they're going to gain. And in the end, what they gain is so good, they'll realize what they gave up. They were better off without. Genesis 19.30 tells that story. It says, Now Lot went up out of Zoar, that's where he wanted to go, and lived in the hills with his two daughters. For he was afraid to live in Zoar, so he lived in a cave with his two sisters. <laughs> I'm not laughing at him. Yes, I am. Um, the thing about it is, he said go up to the mountains, and he wouldn't do it. He goes to Zoar. Then after he's in Zoar, guess what? It didn't, it, he should have listened. Now he's afraid, and he has to flee for his life. Crazy. They, they're so messed up that his daughters, if you read the story now, think they'll never have children unless they trick their father into sleeping with them. Messed up, crazy stuff, and that's exactly what happened. Back up for a moment. After Lot separated from Abraham, you never read of Lot building an altar or worshiping God. Instead, we read of him moving in the direction of the seat of wealth, and a whole lot more, towards Sodom. Hebrews says Abraham had a different focus. Actually, he had his sights set somewhere else. Hebrews tells us in 11.10, For he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Do you see the difference between the two? Now, let's wrap this up, because there's a lot to, to learn from Lot and Abraham. Lot had his focus on the earthly city. Now he's left his tents and is living. He, he was living in the city and even sitting in the gates, which is what the elders did. And, you know, the same two options for Sodom are available, are the only ones available for us today and for America today. If Sodom will not be saved, it will be destroyed. If we will not let God save us, we'll be destroyed. If our nation doesn't let God save us, it will be destroyed. Lot's heart was in Sodom long before his body was. He looked that direction. It looked good to him. Are you following me on this? So why didn't he get out of there? Look at this. More than Lot needed a change of address, he needed a change of heart. And that's what we need to have. You remember the story about Lot's wife turning and looking back? Remember that? Why do you think, why were you taught in Sunday school that she looked back? Because her whole life was there. Her heart was still there. Her body came out, but she didn't end up making it, did she? Crazy story, turned into a pillar of salt. Remember that? Look at the contrast. Abraham offered, when God asked him to do something that seemed impossible, even though God had a plan to it, right? God knew that he wasn't going to have to offer Isaac. God knew he was going to offer a substitute that was going to be like a, another example. But God asked Abram, Abraham to give him Isaac back. And he was willing to trust God in that. Lot, meanwhile, offered his daughters to the bloodthirsty mob that was banging on his door. To try to save his neck and his neighbors, his, his visitors. Abraham was a blessing to his whole family and is a blessing to all nations, even us today. Lot had no spiritual influence, even in his home or in his town. 
Which will you be? Abraham and walk by faith? Or will you be a lot like Lot? Pray with me. Heavenly Father.